Hello, my name is Kate Gingell, and you're listening to the Remarkableness Podcast. Today, I'm with the remarkable Romney Vandoras. Romney is an internationally trained and professionally registered art therapist committed to empowering growth through resilience and creativity. Her practice is based in Sydney's north, and she has extensive experience working with people under a range of circumstances, from clients with health concerns to people suffering from social or interpersonal issues. Romney also teaches art to adults with disabilities and acquired brain injury, guiding them through the therapy itself, as well as co-curating exhibitions, allowing them to showcase their work and reflect on their progress. She additionally facilitates corporate workshops to promote creative thinking and employee wellness, and helps run international art therapy retreats with Artful Retreats. So, Romney, thank you so much for being here today. Um, Let's just start off finding out a little bit about um, your background. You're from South Africa originally. Yes, so thanks, Kate. Thanks for having me here today. Um, I was born in South Africa, um, married with two children, Mm -hmm. and my husband's career took us around the world. So we lived in Australia twice, and this is our second time. We've been living here now for seven years. Right, right. So you've done a lot of travelling. You were in Singapore for a while as well. Yes, Mm. so we lived in the US um, as a single girl. I lived Mm. in the UK and married living in Chicago and then Singapore twice and Australia twice. You've seen Mm. a lot of the world (laughs) altogether. Some, yes. (laughs) And have you always had a love of art? I've always had a love of art. In Mm. fact, I was talking about um, this with someone this morning, Mm. saying that as a child... I loved being immersed in colour and shape and it was a thrill to get a colouring in book and a box of crayons when Mm. I was in primary school during the school holidays and just drawing and writing children's stories, writing stories and illustrating them, even as a little girl. Did you? Mm. And you were encouraged by your parents to do that? Yes, Mm. my parents really did encourage me, Mm. even to the point of encouraging me to take it to a tertiary tertiary level as well. Right, right. Mm. I think it's funny how many people, myself included actually, are kind of put off art at school because we're told we're not good enough or mm-hmm. I, I interviewed somebody um, lovely girl Rachel recently um, but her, she does music and she teaches people how to sing and you know she was saying how many people come to her now who had been told at school to not sing because mm-hmm. they, you know they couldn't sing properly and she believes that everybody can sing do you believe everybody everybody can draw I believe that we've been created by the ultimate creator and that it's innate in each and every one of us that we are creative in some mm-hmm form or another Mm. and yes I believe we can all draw but don't put the world's standards on what you create it it should come from within you that you are passionate about what you do and that you gain satisfaction from what you do not um, an outsider looking in and judging what you've created and for those people I mean I'm jumping right into it now and rather Mm. but, but for adults perhaps who feel that they haven't got a creative bone in their own. You hear people say that. Mm, um, you know, I, well, I'm not creative. I can't, you know, can't I, draw I, stick I, can't, I, exactly, I can't do that. How, how would they start? I mean, what, what, would, you know, what would be the best way for them to... If they're, if they're not going to sit down and do it on their own because they just don't think they can. Mm, um, mm. I, th- I guess if, you, if you're looking at just creativity and, in, and tapping into that, mm-hmm. or as in therapy... I think just to distinguish between art as therapy and art therapy, um, 
to make art or to be creative is a wonderful, soothing activity. It could be energetic, it could be quite sedentary and calming. I, I think that in itself is therapeutic for anyone. But if you're looking for internal, lasting psychotherapeutic change, mm -hmm. that's when it becomes therapeutic with a qualified therapist. If someone has found themselves now in adulthood looking for an outlet, a creative outlet, I think the easiest way would be to join a class mm -hmm. of like-minded individuals who are all there just to to learn. Yeah. But to take it from a point of this is my relaxation and my um, creative pastime and not put too much judgment and pressure on them that they have to become exhibiting artists within six months of taking up art classes. Mm -hmm. Uh, somebody we both know, and again, I've interviewed Jane Hodgett, um, mm. as you know, does these mm. wonderful, calls them art and alcohol classes, yes, we have yes. a, gla a glass of wine while we paint, but, and that's all about playing with paint, uh, and everybody walks out, um, you know, after two hours only, it's amazing, with something that they, on the whole, tend to absolutely love, love it's, yeah. uh, yes, that's how I kind of got back into it again. So, oh, yeah. fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, I read somewhere that your inner child will always thank you for it, mm -hmm. you know, if you're mm -hmm. creating. Mm -hmm. How many times people have said to me, oh, I can't even draw a stick figure, but that's because those judgments are coming back to visit them, you know, yeah. from, from when they were children. Yeah. 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 So at what point did you decide that um, you'd actually like to look at art therapy and how did you, how did you come across that or art as therapy? Mm -hmm. I had no idea that you could study at a master's level, mm -hmm. that you could study art psychotherapy until... Um, we moved to Australia in 2006. Prior to that, I had um, left my job. I had an advertising agency back in South Africa, mm -hmm. and we did a lot of work with NGOs. Um, Travelling around the world, we found that um, I could only... I couldn't work. I didn't have a visa to work and when we were in the US and in Singapore. So I was looking for outlets where I could be useful mm -hmm. and... I started volunteering in different capacities. I volunteered at the schools um, where my children attended and really found satisfaction in giving of myself to others in various ways of volunteering, mm -hmm. um, not just creatively but also um, within people's homes where they were incapacitated through health or age um, and various other things. And moving to Australia... Um, I read up that you could study art therapy here, yeah. and I thought, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. My two worlds would be colliding, yes, you know, yes. creativity and helping others. It felt like the perfect, the perfect mm. match. Because mm. I've got a, a fine arts degree, mm -hmm. and so I knew that I could be creative. I knew I was creative. Um, and unfortunately, at that time, um, the cost was prohibitive because we weren't citizens. We were here on a working visa and um, moved back to Singapore and lo and behold in Singapore you could study art psychotherapy they, it was being underwritten by goldsmiths in the UK right. and the course director was from New York University right. and so I thought this is perfect timing meant to be and so did the two year masters when we were living in Singapore the second time so came back here and began to practice 
So when you say practice, are there actually schools set up that you go and teach at or do you practice as a as an individual and people come to you just explain a little bit about how that how that works as as an art psychotherapist Mm. i travel to where my clients are Mm -hmm. so that might be in hospitals um, aged care centers it can be in schools in clients homes i also have private rooms where i see clients um, and then as a teacher, I um, have found a special niche and a special passion in teaching art to people with additional needs, special needs. Right. That and that's at a centre. Mm. for them. So that's at a centre. So that's in a group situation. Yes. Um, but you have people coming to in individually as well. As well. One-on-one. One-on-one. Mm-hmm. And I um, also run groups. Currently, mm. um, I'm running a group with um, children who have been diagnosed on the autism spectrum. Mm, okay. Mm. Um, and we, we spoke a little bit before, and I'd love to go back to um, some of what you've just been talking about, but just while you mentioned autism, um, it does seem to be an increasing problem or concern at the moment that numbers of, of children who are diagnosed with autism at least are mm. increasing. Do you have any thoughts or... It's such a controversial topic. Mm. Mm. Um, It's so emotional. Mm. Um, Everybody has an opinion on it. I think Mm. it's it's over-determined. So many different factors are are influencing the diagnosis. Um, I think there's a genetic... Well, there is definitely a genetic component. Um, I also believe our diet and our lifestyles are impacting... um, the diagnosis as well and that Mm. people are now understanding it more and therefore it's being diagnosed more Mm. often yeah so lots of factors so many different factors Mm. i Mm. one of the things i'm passionate about and and have thought a lot about is um parenting styles as well Mm. i think currently parents are disengaged they they're more involved in their children's lives than ever before and yet emotionally I think they are um, less in touch with their children. I think mm. they are distracted. They're not um, in the moment with their children. I think children children need to be affirmed. Children need to be recognised. Little Johnny needs to be told, oh, my gosh, that was the most amazing backflip you just did then. You are the best child. You are amazing. Mm. They, those little souls need that affirmation. Mm. And mm. I think they're getting that less and less and less. Yeah, it seems to be more about organising organizing things for them to do as opposed to the actual, perhaps, the being and... Uh, being, and present being present and yeah. um, mm-hmm. we all need to be seen and understood, mm-hmm. um, not just mm-hmm. on a superficial level, but to be really seen and understood for who we are yeah. inside and out. And I think um, that's happening less and less. Yeah. I think we're becoming yeah. disconnected as a as a human race mm, mm. while um, ironically we are more and more connected yeah electronically yes exactly okay so we're just losing that connection we're losing um, that connection bit. and mm. i think we're also losing um how to really value each other mm. i think the world standards are changing nowadays you can't even take up a, a, a hobby without 
being um, forced to become a professional at it. You mm. can't have a, mm. a lovely gardening hobby without having a garden that is a showcase garden. Mm. You can't even have a passion for baking or cooking without your kitchen starting to look like a gourmet kitchen. Mm. You know, your, yes. your home decor has to look like a show house. Mm-hmm. Every little thing that we do nowadays is being judged, mm. without, and mm. we're losing the passion of just doing for the doing's sake. Mm. And I think the children are picking up on this. Mm. We are being pressurized as adults, and this is filtering down to the children. Mm. Yeah, children are becoming disengaged. Yeah. Um, it's, I think it's a vicious cycle. Yeah. And so with um, the children who are autistic, or t- autistic rather, not, and, and, and children or people who have additional needs, what does, what does the art actually do for them? Oh. oh, don't get me started. So... <laughs> um, I come from a fine arts background. I was taught all the theory of what good art looked like and all the things that had to be in your images and in your work that to make it correct. Mm. And then I studied art psychotherapy, which then just blew all those preconceptions out the window because I realized it was what was happening on the inside was going to come out and it might not always look pretty and it mm. might not always look perfect. And then I started teaching art to adults with additional needs and um, young people who were not neurotypical. And I saw the great passion for just being creative. They weren't judging themselves. They weren't looking for um, the picture-perfect image and then going on to exhibit and sell for huge amounts of money. They were just happy to be in community with other like-minded individuals who just wanted to be creative and have fun. Mm. And the, the, the joy out of the creative process was profound. And I think that took my understanding of creativity and art making to a whole different level. Mm. Um, I think we, we need to not be judging ourselves so harshly. I, I, the art that I make nowadays is so completely different to the art that I made when I was doing my honours in mm-hmm. fine arts completely different and it's for the enjoyment and it's for the moment what am I feeling in the moment and that's what I create mm-hmm. it's not always picture perfect it's not always exhibition worthy but mm-hmm. very satisfactory mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and a sense of and a sense of achievement for um, those who may not have the opportunity to be doing creative things in other areas of areas. their life as well exactly mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. Making art for those on the spectrum and those with additional needs, um, the rules go out the window. Although some, I have to say, some of my clients on the spectrum will have very fixed ideas of how they want to create the art. Mm. And who am I to say yes or no? Mm. It's entirely up to them. Their process, it's all about process, whether it's um, working with those on the spectrum or those with disabilities, it's all about process what is the instinctual process that their bodies, the innate process that they have, how does that translate? How can we um, encourage that in their art making? So whether they're on the spectrum or with a disability, I look to see where their strengths lie Mm -hmm. and how they do things and the process, and then I develop that for them, whether they have cerebral palsy and can only move 
three fingers or whether they are on the spectrum and they like everything to be in straight lines. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. okay. But let's capitalize on what you love doing and how you do it and then move from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing! You're providing an incredible. It's an outlet. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when, if in a group situation, they're not all painting the same thing. No. <laughs> and some of them choose not to paint, and will be doing yeah. something entirely Completely different. Different. Yeah. Um, so if they are in a group and they they are on the spectrum, I respect that. I'm I'm more about creating that safe space where they are willing to um, take risks knowing that it's okay to do things differently in this space. It's not like a school setting where they are prescribed Mm -hmm. to do things in certain ways. Um, Currently, I've got a group where one will be making clay, something with clay, and the other one will be, you know, creating something in the sand tray with kinetic sand. But they are watching each other, and they are taking everything in, but they are feeling safe to be able to create in that moment, yeah. Mm -hmm. With disabilities, um, there again, it's very affirming. Mm-hmm. They might not have control of a lot of um, areas in their lives, but in that space, in that moment, in that time, mm-hmm. they can choose what colours, what materials to use, what image they'd like to create, um, and they're with their peers. Yeah. Um, and they're accepted and they're cared for and they're safe. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Mm. And for older people who are perhaps recovering from strokes and that kind of thing, does mm. it actually um, speed up or, or actually help the recovery? I mean, if they've lost movement perhaps in one side of the mm. body and that kind mm. of thing, does working on that kind of the brain side of the brain actually improve change. their, yes, change their um, level of ability? Or Yeah, well, um, I've... I'm currently involved in an art group at um, a local university here and uh, my colleagues and I have been facilitating this art group for adults with aphasia. So this is a disconnect between um, the part of their brain where they know what they want to say but they can't articulate it. They can't find the language. Um, They might not have lost Mm. their um, cognitive abilities but they they, they struggle to actually formulate the sentences that they Mm. want to say. So it's a a profound brain injury. Um, It affects their brain but also parts of their body not always do they are they um, paralyzed or restricted on one side of their body sometimes they they'll be able-bodied still be able to drive a car and walk but Mm -hmm. their brains have been injured Um, we've been running the class for about four or five years now and we've had feedback from the for the, the wives and the caregivers that have said, you know, they might struggle sometimes to get to therapy, hydrotherapy or speech therapy, but they will not miss their art class. Okay. And that, the, this class was set up by a retired professor in the speech and language um, faculty who recognised that when they've had stroke, they become isolated. Mm. They um, feel ashamed to come into community again and, mm. and to socialise. Um, so this group was set up to bring them out of isolation back into the community back into society and they feel so accepted because everybody has the same um call it a disability where they all struggle to speak and so it's been a it's a wonderful group where they feel accepted if it takes a couple of minutes to be able to express what they're trying to say everybody's patient and waits for those words to come 
Um, all the nonverbal communication skills are active because sometimes they can't find the words. Just last week, we had um, the husband of one of the um, artists come and say to this, us that, you know, we weren't running over the Christmas period and the school holidays. So for a three-month period, she wasn't able to come to art class once mm. a week. You see, he was struggling to get her out of bed. She was struggling to cope with life, was becoming depressed. But as soon as the art class started up again, he said, oh, my gosh, she's up, she's out the house, she's rearing to go. He said the the group has been um, profoundly helpful for her from a psycho-emotional point of view. Um, (coughs) Pardon me. Sydney University is also examining and studying the the effects of art and creativity on the brain. Mm. And they've found already that um, viewing art has an impact on the brain, um, but making art is actually growing new neural pathways. And so we know that creativity has this profound effect on the Mm. brain, Mm. which then translates into wellness in the body and the mind. So Mm. it, it has an all-encompassing, I believe, um, benefit. Yeah, yeah. It's mm. amazing. <laughs> I could listen it's to you for so ages. It's just so lovely yeah. to, see, mm. to see what mm. um, what creativity can, can bring to people's mm. lives. We mm. had a, a gentleman who joined the group only this year. He came to check us out last year with his partner. He was, he's 40, so very young to have had a stroke, was a professional chef, um, had 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 the stroke and was um, profoundly impacted, couldn't speak, um, was depressed. So his partner thought, okay, we'll bring bring him to see the, the art group. And um, after the first lesson, now he, in fact, him and his caregiver got lost on the university campus, so they were only able to join us for half the session. <laughs> but even then his partner came and gave us feedback and said, oh my gosh, what a profound difference in his um, demeanour, his... Um, his sense of well-being, his positive outlook mm. had improved in just a half a session. Incredible. So when you hear things mm. like that, you think, well, why shouldn't we be doing this? We yeah. should be bringing yes. this to the world. Exactly. We yeah. were all born creative. Mm. Why not just yes, expand Yes, everybody it? to be doing something mm. with it. I was listening to a scientist recently talking about um, dementia, actually, which I know is a different problem altogether, but mm. the, the things that they, they specifically are looking actually at um, nutrients that can help um, the length of the chromosomes and telomeres and because as they shorten that's mm. when dementia sets in but the things that we can do for ourselves and one of the I mean exercise makes a big difference learning a musical instrument but I would also think actually that perhaps that paint you know that painting is starting to be creative in that way which perhaps might be slightly more straightforward than learning a musical instrument mm. for, um, mm. for somebody who's you know been through um yeah a lot recently I've worked with clients who um have dementia mm. and I have found that the art making really grounds them in the in the time and the space that they're mm. in in that moment. Mm. Um, it encourages them to um, use communication. Sometimes mm. language is lost, so through the creative process, you're, you're talking, and this brings them out of themselves. Yeah. Um, I've also found that in the confusion. Um, that comes with dementia as to where they are, who they are, where they've been Um, their creativity taps into those long term memories Mm. which they relate back to what they're creating which is lovely so that's um, sort of narrative therapy or regressive 
not regressive, but uh, yeah, narrative yeah. therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also been engaged by some family members to work with their elderly mother because she's got early stages of dementia. They believe that in starting up the art classes now, or the art as therapy classes now, this will ground her in the moment and she'll know mm-hmm. that on this particular day, this is what she does and this is... Um, who I am, bringing the class to her, mm-hmm. and we we talk about her life and where she's been and all her travels. Well, so it's not that. just mm-hmm. about the creative, it's also about the relationship mm-hmm. around that creative process. Um, so she's maintaining her language skills, you know, she's um, staying social, which is so important. And then as perhaps the dementia increases... Um, I have found working with with clients um, previously that the art brings them right back, and they know who they are. Oh, it's the most it's the most interesting mm-hmm. thing to observe. Mm-hmm. Also, when they've been moved from perhaps from home to aged care to hospitals, and I've been able to visit them wherever they are, they might be. I had one lady who was so angry and so confused; she didn't know where she was. Mm-hmm. She was in the hospital. And as soon as I knocked on the door and I announced who I was, oh, hello, lovely to see you. So let's make some art. Wow. It was like a, a switch had been <laughs> flipped, you know, and it yeah. was took her right out of that anger and frustration and mm. rage and confusion right back into the moment. Oh, she was present family. and she could mm. make her art. Mm. So it's beautiful to beautiful. see. And, of course, the family members yeah. gain what, from yes, this as well. Yes, they do. Yes, exactly. Mm. And it's also probably at times slightly med- it's quite meditative as well, and because you have to be so present as well when you're painting too. And we know that meditation and that actually, you know, watching what that does to the brain mm. also um, has a you know a positive impact too. So, and for people who come to you who perhaps don't have maybe they have emotional needs as opposed to additional perhaps other kinds of needs. Why might that they come and see you, and what what could art therapy do for them Mm. well the way art psychotherapy works is that it's it's not your typical form of talk psychotherapy so we walk we work very much um, through what the client has created so I might give a directive um, if the client has come to me with a specific life issue Mm -hmm. and I might give a creative directive and they'll make a piece of art and then it's a time for Um, teaching the client how to look at what they've created and how it relates to them. We look at metaphor, we look at symbol, we look at the the embodied, um, I guess, uh, emotional states and unconscious states that are held in that image. And the role of the therapist is to observe all the nonverbal cues, how the client is creating what they're creating, what art materials are they choosing, how they're using those materials, what are they saying while they're creating it. Mm. So that's all the information that as a therapist I'm taking in. It's certainly not for me to interpret what the client is doing. I think that's that's unethical and it's dangerous. Mm. I, can ne- I should never assume to know what is going on within a client um, through their artwork. So it's very mm. much um, part of... What I do with the client is to teach them how to understand what they've created, to use words 
ironically, mm. to describe what they've created and how what they've created relates to their inner world. Right. And once we've established that, that creates pathways to then work through and find solutions to whatever might have brought them into the therapeutic mm. space. Mm. Okay. Fascinating. Mm. And what brings you the most joy out of everything that you do? I love working with people. I have a passion mm. to see people... Um, find solutions to life's complexities um, in a non-threatening mm. um, and non-medical um, yeah. <laughs> way. <laughs> um, I find I get surprised over and over and over again as to how and I keep using this word profound, but how profound the creative process is. We know um, in our therapy how creativity bypasses all those defense mechanisms that we establish throughout our lives, which are necessary to, to protect us mm -hmm. and to protect ourselves. But through the creative process, those defense mechanisms are lowered and clients time and time and time again will see their lives reflected in what they, they've done. And I just find that whole creative process amazing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And just to, got a couple of minutes left. Um, I'd love you just to share a bit about the retreats that you run because they sound so amazing and um, oh, in Greece. Thank and you. <laughs> yes. Oh, this is another passion. Yes. yes. And this is more probably mindfulness and relaxation mm. focused but using art therapy principles. So my dear friend and colleague, Penelope Orfanidaki, um, and I studied our master's degrees in Singapore together. And then our love for this profession um, helped us to see the benefit and, and wanting to share it with the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. and, and why not through travel and good food and yoga and a beautiful space? So we're very fortunate. Penelope owns this beautiful olive grove estate on Crete, on the island of Crete, and it's called Blevardi. Two beautiful villas on this um, estate. And so we take over this, this entire estate for um, a couple of weeks a year, mm -hmm. and we run art therapy retreats there. And... I would have to say that these are retreats that are, are um, curated to really pamper people, to make them feel nurtured and looked after. And it gives them breathing space to digitally detox. Mm -hmm. um, clients are offered beautiful accommodation. They're offered um, good, healthy, delicious food. Uh, we offer yoga every morning um, and start the day like that. And they're about five hours of creativity every day while people are on retreat the retreats run either four days or six days um, we visit artist studios we mm. visit places of interest we create art in various places and spaces nearby and um, they've been really well attended and we really are blessed that they that we found a niche. Mm -hmm. I think it's something quite unique out there. We've been told by National Geographic Traveller and uh, Queen of Retreats, which is a UK-based um, company, that what we are curating and doing is, is quite unique out there. Mm -hmm. I think yoga retreats have always um, have been out there for a long time and 
justifiably so and this is one of the reasons why we incorporate yoga into our retreats because it's a fantastic way to ground ourselves before we go even deeper within um, through the art making over the last four or five years we've been running retreats in Crete mm. mainly um, sounds absolute heaven oh it is so <laughs> good I love going even though I work really hard because mm. we take care of our um, guests mm. um, but and it, do, do they come from all over the they world? They come from they? all over yeah. the world. Mm. And so it's this, this wonderful multiculturalism. And, you know, we're all human beings. It doesn't matter where we live, where we've come from. But we all have passions. We all have struggles. We all have hopes. We all have dreams. And it all comes out in the in the art making. And, and what's really special about these retreats is that people from all over the world will become... Um, bonded in such a short space of time because you're sharing so profoundly mm-hmm. and um, and everybody's so supportive of each other. It's a really nurturing space. So yeah. we look forward to hosting those yeah. every year. I'd love to come. <laughs> oh, I'd love to have you there. Please come. <laughs> it's been so lovely to listen and learn more about the work that you oh. do. I've learned a lot. And um, Thank you for having a, me. No, it's been great. Mm. If people want to contact you, what's the best way for them to do that? Have you got a website? I don't have a website. I've got um, a Facebook page, mm-hmm. which is Artful Therapy, A-R-T-F-U-L-L Therapy. Um, and they can also contact me on myarttherapist.com. Great. Wonderful. Thank you very much indeed, Romney. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for joining me on the Remarkableness Podcast today with the wonderful Romney Van Doris. If you'd like to contact Romney or find out more about her services and retreats, you can find her on facebook.com, Artful Therapy, A-R-T-F-U-L-L Therapy. If you have any comments or feedback, then of course I always love to hear from you. And if you feel this episode might be helpful for people you know, then of course please share it. Many thanks and see you next time.